When it's the wishing hour, it's time to tune in to Magic and the Law of Attraction with your host, Madam Pamita. Episode 46. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Madam Pamita, and you're listening once again to Magic and the Law of Attraction the podcast where you'll learn how to transform your life in magical ways to make it the very best that it can be. Welcome to episode 46 of Magic and the Law of Attraction. What is scrying? So what is scrying? Is it A, sobbing and crying at the same time? B, an old nautical term for carving pictures on whale teeth? Or C, an ancient technique using trance-like vision for divination. Well, if you chose C, you are absolutely correct. Scrying is staring into something for the purpose of seeing the past, the present, or the future. Just like the Wicked Witch of the West or Galadriel in the Fellowship of the Ring, you can scry with a crystal ball, a mirror, or a pool of water but really that's only the beginning. In this episode, we'll be uncovering the history of scrying. I'll be showing you different methods of scrying, scrying, and I'll even be sharing my favorite scrying techniques for you to try. So get out your crystal ball and let's get to it. Before we get started, I have a short piece of news to share with you. Did you know that you can join me for the recording of this podcast and for the extra bonus content, a live Q&A after the podcast where I answer your questions about spells, the law of attraction, spirituality, witchcraft, Slavic folk magic, spirits, divination, and more? It's free to join. All you have to do is be a member of the Spell Squad. And to do that, All you have to do is sign up at spellsquad.com. It takes place every Sunday, except for the first Sunday of the month, at 5 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Central, and 8 p.m. Eastern. If you'd like to see past episodes, you can check them out on my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash madampamita, or you can listen to the podcast by going to magicandthelawofattraction.com or finding it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. Go ahead over to spellsquad.com and sign up today so you can join the Spell Squad, get a ton of free goodies, and join me with a cup of tea and download some deep spiritual knowledge. It's always fun in our little Zoom clubhouse, and I would love to see you there. So let's jump into today's topic and talk about what scrying is, different scrying techniques, and all the ways that you can bring scrying into your spiritual practice. So what is scrying? Well, the word scrying comes from the old English word descry, which means to make out dimly or to reveal. Scrying is about revealing the unseen through using our second sight. Second sight, visualization, whatever you want to call it, is our ability to see things that aren't perceptible through our five senses. Scrying itself is used to mean staring into something. It also has some other names. If you look back into old texts, you might see um, seeing or even peeping being the describing word to talk about what we know today as scrying. When you do some scrying, what do you get? Well, you could get personal guidance. You might get prophecy. You might have a revelation or inspiration. But 
scrying is mostly known for being a method of fortune telling. Scrying is mostly done, often done, I should say, on shiny surfaces. Some, most of the time, not always. When we do scrying, we usually get significant messages or visions, and we interpret those visions into meaningful messages for ourselves or someone else. Scrying has been practiced in so many cultures, and we're going to talk about some of those cultures and traditions and and records of scrying in a second. Some say that those visions that we get in scrying are things that come from our own subconscious or our imagination, and some cultures believe that's what we're doing is we're accessing our inner wisdom. Other cultures, other spiritual practices say that the visions that we are getting are channeled, that these are divinely inspired visions that we're getting from our goddesses, our gods, our deities, our spirits, and that's where those messages are coming from. Whichever way you view it, either way, scrying is super magical and such a beautiful practice that isn't really done very often. You don't see too many people doing it. And so you can try something out that's very, very old and see if it clicks for you and try these methods. I'm going to give you some great methods for scrying. Most of the time, as I mentioned before, scrying is done on reflective, shiny surfaces, but it can be done on translucent surfaces, things that we can see through, that light goes through, refractive surfaces, things that scatter the light, like prisms or crystals, Um, luminescent surfaces, um, things like things that glow from within, like fire or coals. Objects such as crystals, stones, or glass can be used in scrying. They can be in many different forms. Crystal balls are a great example of a scrying tool. But we can also use mirrors, reflective black surfaces such as obsidian or dark waters. Um, We can also use obsidian, dark obsidian, which is a black stone. Polished obsidian can be used for scrying. Or we can even look at mirages and do scrying through a mirage, so a heat mirage, you know. Scrying can also be done in other things that aren't shiny surfaces. Um, Fire, smoke, glowing coals of a fire can all be used for scrying. It can also be done in dark surfaces. As I mentioned before, obsidian is reflective, but it's also dark. But we can do it in a pitch black sky or... In shadows, we can scry in shadows, or we can look at other things like light patterns against walls or ceilings. There's even a way to scry with no tools at all, and that's called scrying with your inside of your eyelids. You close your eyes and you look at the inside of your eyelids and you can scry there as well. So there's many, many tools that we can use for scrying, many methods for scrying, and many methods throughout the history and cultures and so on that are used for scrying. Now, What are these visions that we see when we do scrying? What's actually happening? So there are different methods even for having the vision or seeing in scrying. We can see, for example, symbolic images directly. So if you look, for example, in a glowing fire, in the coals of a fire, if you look at that and you can see shapes appear and disappear, They might be, um, you know, silhouettes of things or outlines of things that you can interpret and see as a shape that is meaningful, a symbol that is meaningful. That's one way of doing that, of seeing, envisioning through scrying, is actually seeing a shape and then discerning that shape and then translating that. 
Another method of scrying is by using a medium that reduces your visual stimulation so that you go into a trance state and then you start to produce images in your mind or in your visual field because there's no stimulation. This is, when I'm talking about this, what I'm talking about is something that's actually medically and psychologically documented. If you've ever heard about an isolation tank or a sensory deprivation tank, those are examples of where your senses are turned off. You're a sight, you're in a dark tank, it's pitch black, you don't have any sense of weight, you're weightless in there, and you start to detach from your sensory perception. And so what happens is your mind wanting to have that stimuli will create visions for you. You will have perhaps what we would call hallucinatory experiences or visioning experiences or even producing visions in front of your eyes in this pitch black box that you're in. Um, Psychiatrist Paul Fletcher of the University of Cambridge says that this is a pretty robust finding that when we are deprived of all sensory input, that when we have that, our brain turns on and creates these patterns. This is a, he says, this is a pretty robust finding. It appears that when confronted by the lack of sensory patterns in our environment, we have a natural tendency to superimpose our own patterns so that our mind creates patterns that we can then, in scrying, interpret. So that study that we were talking about here concludes that the brain has a need for sensory patterns, and when they don't exist, they will create them. So we can experience this kind of scrying by gazing into a dark mirror, a dark night sky, or a crystal ball in a darkened room, for example, where a lot of our visual input is shut down. Third way that we can also have a a scrying experience is by going into a trance state by staring at this object. And then in your mind's eye, you start to produce images. So it's not a visual input like we have when I was talking about the sensory deprivation, but we can see in our mind's eye when we're in that trans state. So those are all the different ways that we can see when we're seeing in scrying. Now, scrying is old, old, old magic. You know, I love an old folkloric magic. I'm into folk magic and into old magic. And scrying shows up in old texts. I mean, really texts from all eras. So for example, We see an ancient tradition among many Mesoamerican cultures that using uh, doing divination either with the surface of a bowl of water as a mirror or using those obsidian mirrors. We see this in Maya, Aztec, and Purepecha systems. In those systems, we see that scrying is done. Divination is also mentioned in the Bible in chapter 44 of the book of Genesis. We it, it talks about a silver chalice that belongs to Joseph and was used for drinking and for divination. We also see it in the Shanema, a 10th century epic work narrating historical and mythological past of Persia. And in that book, we see the cup of Jamshid, which was used by the ancient Persian kings for observing all the seven layers of the universe. So another cup that was used for scrying, and that would imply that water scrying was being done. 
In the late 1820s, Joseph Smith, who founded the Mormon Church, was said to get his information from what he called a peep stone, from peep stones, which are scrying stones. So Smith himself had at least three separate stones, including his favorite, which was a brown stone that he found during excavation of a neighbor's well. And initially, he would use these stones in various treasure digging quests in the early 1820s. He would put the stone inside of his hat and then put his face in his hat to see these visions that would give him information. He was also said to have created a set of spectacles comprised of these seeing stones. And through these spectacles that he made from the peep stones, he could translate the golden plates that are the source, the stated source of the Book of Mormon. So we see scrying showing up in all of these spiritual practices. Scrying also shows up in folk magic practices. For example, if you, like me, are a fan of like Victorian things and vintage things, and if you ever look, you see oftentimes in my posts and things like that, I use old postcards from the turn of the century. And in those postcards, sometimes we have lots and lots and lots of images of women holding a candle in front of a mirror on Halloween. Well, that reflects a very widely practiced um, scrying technique that was often done on Halloween. And it was believed if you went into a darkened room with a candle and gazed into the mirror, you could see a vision of your future husband's face in the mirror. And so that was one of the, you know, popular culture scrying techniques that were done that had no religious significance. I mean, you have to understand that up until the 1980s, scrying, working with the Ouija board, fortune telling, and all those things were not seen as quote unquote evil, satanic. That was something that happened with the satanic panic of the 1980s brought on by the evangelicals. So before that time, you know, people did lots of different scrying techniques and looking into the mirror to find out who your future husband would be on Halloween was certainly one of them. Um, If you, like me, probably grew up with the idea of Bloody Mary, that you could look into a mirror And if you said Bloody Mary in the mirror, that a ghost, a scary ghost would show up in the mirror and that would happen. So that's like a, you know, a kind of pop culture scrying technique. Of course, we never, we were kids and we were freaked out and we never stood long enough in front of the mirror to see anything. We would just say Bloody Mary and then run out of the the bathroom, you know, and away from that mirror as soon as we could. Scrying also makes an appearance in myths and legends and fairy tales. I mean, so many, I mean, we can go on and on about it, but I just want to share a few. For example, the Aztecs used, as I mentioned before, used obsidian to make mirrors. And in their mythology, Tetzcatlipoca, Tetzcatlipoca, sorry, I'm mangling that, is the lord of the smoking mirror, wore a black mirror on his chest, and he was the god of communication, and the mirror allowed his followers to talk to him. So that's one place in mythology that we see um, scrying show up. In Snow White, you know, in the story of Snow White, the queen, the wicked queen, she looks into the mirror and is scrying, basically. She's saying, mirror, mirror on the wall who's the fairest of them all in the mirror, gives her the answer. She's doing mirror scrying. That's what she's doing in that story. In Greek mythology, or Roman mythology rather, um, Vulcan, the blacksmith god, made a magic mirror for his wife Venus. And she used that magic mirror to hide her actions so that she could 
carry on an affair with Mars, the god of war. So she tricked him by um, getting that mirror from him so that he couldn't see what was going on behind his back. And then also in the stories of Merlin, we see that, um, you know, in King Arthur stories and Merlin, Merlin had a magic mirror. His magic mirror was allowing him to look into the future. So in a minute, I'm going to tell you how you can look into the future with a magic mirror or with a magic crystal ball or some other technique. I'm going to teach you all the different types of scrying, scrying techniques, and even how you can make your own black scrying mirror. But scrying is just one of the many branches of magic and witchcraft that you can study. And if you're ready to learn more about witchcraft and dive deeper into your spiritual gifts, get a solid spell practice and really build your magical skills, you may want to check out the full-length workshops that I'm doing over the coming months. You can check them out by going to witchcraftworkshops.com. The next few ones that are coming up are going to be Slavic magic ones. These are amazing ones. April 3rd, I'll be teaching about Pesunki, which are talismanic Slavic egg magic. And May 1st, I'll be teaching about Motanki, which are the Slavic spirit dolls. There's plenty of workshops that are coming up. You can check them all out by going to witchcraftworkshops.com. I'm also teaching workshops on Wednesdays, the second Wednesday of the month and the last Wednesday of the month. Last Wednesday of the month, um, I teach through Catland Books. And March 30th, I'll be teaching Tea Leaf Reading. April 27th, I'll be teaching The Witch's Ladder and Not Magic 101. And on the second Wednesday of the month, I teach a workshop through Ritual Craft. And April 13th, I'll be teaching The Myth and Magic of Baba Yaga. And May 11th, I'll be teaching Confident Candle Magic for Beginners. I also have my New Moon Candle Spell Workshops and Full Moon Workshops. So if you want to find out about all of these workshops, just go to witchcraftworkshops.com and you'll see everything that I'm teaching and you will have an amazing time. We'll have an amazing time together. Come join me. All right, so let's learn about the different tools for scrying. So first tool that comes to mind, of course, is the crystal ball. I mean, who hasn't seen a movie, a TV show, a Halloween costume, a video, uh, I was going to say a video arcade, is isn't a video arcade, a pinball arcade where there was an old you know, robotic fortune teller with the crystal ball. Crystal balls are really seen as the scrying tool. People have used crystals and glass for scrying for thousands of years, as long as crystals and glass have been around. Crystal balls can be made of very many materials. We have crystal balls made of glass, of course, but we also have clear quartz crystal or gemstone crystal balls that are used. The best crystal balls for scrying are the ones that are either translucent that light through or are dark and reflective. So remember, translucent translucent or reflective is good for scrying. Now, there are two methods of scrying that you can use with a crystal ball. My favorite method, my absolute number one favorite method, is to do it in a dark room. In that case, you want to get into a pitch black room and you want to light a candle. Place that candle behind you so that the light of the flame, not directly behind you, you don't want to catch your clothes or your hair on fire, but behind you in the room. The reason for that is you don't want the candle flame to reflect off the surface of the crystal ball. You want it to be dark and you just want a diffused light in the room. This is the littlest amount of light you can possibly have. And that's why one candle is plenty. So go into that dark room with the candle behind you so that the flame doesn't reflect on the crystal ball. Hold the crystal ball. Here, I've got one right here. Hold that crystal ball and then gaze into it. When you gaze into it, you want to soften your eyes 
like almost like you're looking at one of those 3D pictures they had in the 80s or 90s or whatever that was where you had to like soften your eyes to see the 3D picture. You almost want to look through the crystal ball and really soften your gaze. Do that. And then after about 15 minutes, you're going to have that effect that we talked about when you have no visual stimulation that you're going to, your eyes are going to start to create or your brain is going to start to create some visual stimulation and you will see shapes start to form. For me, they always look like clouds, like silhouettes, but they move, they're moving in 3D. So like 3D silhouette shapes that move. Now, what I recommend when you're doing this that you don't go in and out of your trance state recording by writing down what you're seeing, but you are going to want to remember it after you're done with your session because you're in a trance state and you may not remember all the details. So I often say to people, if you're going to do this practice, have a little recording device, either your phone or a digital recorder or some kind of recording device nearby so that you can say the things in the images that you're seeing as you're seeing them and not have to get out of your trance state. So you can say, oh, I'm seeing a ring or I'm seeing a heart shape or whatever. And then later on, you can go and translate that. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. So sit in the room, candle behind you, dark room, and look with a very soft gaze. Sit for at least 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes, and then your eyes will start to see things. Spend some time with it. Spend 10, 15, 20 minutes just seeing the images until they start to go away or until you start to get fatigued, your eyes might get tired or something like that, and then you can stop. Then listen back to your recording, see what it was that you saw. And then just, if you're a beginner, just sit with those oh, I saw some things. You're developing that vision, that ability to vision. As you get to be more experienced, you can start interpreting those images as the symbols and what they mean in regards to what's going on in your life or a question or so forth. Now, another way of seeing with a crystal ball is to look through the crystal ball at a light source coming through it. So some people will go out in the moonlight of a full moon, for example, and look at the moonlight through their crystal ball or sunlight, or they will look at the candle flame light through their crystal ball and turn their crystal ball as they're doing that to see what images come up. Record everything you saw, you think, and you feel during your scrying session, and then that's it. Just record it. If you're more experienced, if you have that ability to see symbols and understand what symbols mean, you can start to think about what those symbols mean, right? So for example, let's say you saw an elephant in your scrying. You could look at that elephant and just say, okay, I saw an elephant. That's a great thing. Just to be able to see something is a huge step. But if you're really into scrying as a tool for divination, you're gonna wanna interpret that elephant. So elephant can mean lots of things, right? What do we think about, start there. What do you think when you think of elephants? Strength, strong, big. An elephant never forgets, right? Elephants are can be a symbol of good luck or prosperity or removing obstacles or strength or power or wisdom, memory, vitality. Those are all things that an elephant can mean. So first, think about what you think an elephant means and then 
look up online or look up in a dream dictionary or look up in a tea leaf reading dictionary of what elephant means there and see what someone else has to say about it. doesn't mean that you're wrong and they're right. It's just more information to add to your own understanding of what that symbol means. So start by writing down what you think it means, sit with it for a little while, look up and see what other people, how other people interpret it, and then you will get your interpretation of your vision. So there you go. That's how you do it. There's another method, fire scrying or coal scrying. If you look at like the embers of a fire or an actual flame of a fire, it could be a candle, a fire in a fireplace, a campfire, wherever you're watching a fire. Stare into the flames of a fire and see what sort of visions you might appear. You might go into a trance state. You might get visions in your mind's eye. You might actually see things and shapes in the embers. Relax your mind, focus on the flames, and get those symbolic images or messages, and then do what we did with the crystal ball. Write them down, record them, write them down, and then sit with them and look what other people have to say about them, and you get your interpretation there. Another form of scrying is water scrying also called hydromancy. So you can go to a big, deep, dark pond or lake. You want to go at night. You want to go when it's no moon out so that you have no reflection, so that you're looking into the dark water and lose yourself in that vision. That is really the oldest form of scrying that there is, is looking into a body of water. But you can also do this with a bowl. I think there's beautiful black bowls. If you have a black bowl, it can be really beautiful for being in that place of looking into that water and getting into that vision trance state. In fact, uh, the French prophet Nostradamus used a large bowl of water as his scrying tool, which put him into a trance to allow him to see his visions that he saw and his prophetic visions. You can also bring, remember with a crystal ball, we could do it in the dark, but we could also do it in the light. So you could bring light into your scrying. And the way you would do that is you might bring your bowl of water out under the moon, the light of the moon, and put the reflection of the moon into the water, let it shine on your water, position your bowl. And then you can either let the water be still or you can touch the water with your fingers or a wand to create a ripple that you can look at. So that's another way. So that's another form of water scrying with a bowl or in a body of water in the dark or with a dim light like the moon. Lastly, there's mirror scrying. So a scrying mirror is a mirror. You can scry in a regular silver mirror, like the mirror where you would look into the mirror and see your husband and that sort of thing. But you can also have a special scrying mirror. And a, a scrying mirror as it's made is a mirror that's a black mirror. And that allows to have that experience of looking into something dark so that your senses shut down so that you can have that vision. There are scrying mirrors everywhere. You can buy them. They're in stores, on Etsy, everywhere. But they're so easy to make, you can make one. So all you need to make a scrying mirror is a smooth piece of clear glass. Now, traditionally, you could use a flat piece of glass, like you can get a picture frame and the glass in a picture frame, for example, or you could get a concave mirror. A concave mirror is like a bowl, right? And then what you're going to do is take some black spray paint, the blackest spray paint you can find, and spray the back of that glass. So if you're using a, me a piece of glass from a picture frame, you would take it apart, 
spray the back of that glass with black, give it a couple good coats so it's really thick and very dark, and then let it dry and then put it back into the picture frame and you've got a black mirror. You can also do that with the concave mirror, which is shaped like a bowl, and you would spray the back of the concave mirror, and then you could look into that dip in the bowl, we would say, and see those um, reflections or visions or, or have that reflective experience. It gives that beautiful technique that if you do that and you create these dark mirrors, these black mirrors, that you can go into the dark room and you can really lose yourself in that beautiful darkness where you start to create visions. So there it is. There's a way to make a beautiful scrying mirror with some materials you can get at your local hardware store, craft stores. If you go to, um, you know, all your local craft store, they'll have those concave glass bowls and things like that. Or you can get a picture frame at a thrift store, get some black spray paint, there you go. So that's a beautiful way to bring scrying into your spiritual practice. It's such a beautiful, peaceful, meditative, still energy, but such a powerful, transformative experience. I really encourage you to bring scrying into your practice. All right. So that about does it for this episode of Magic and the Law of Attraction. And if you would like to get even more information about magic and spells, then you'll want to check out the Learn page over at the Parlor of Wonders, parlorofwonders.com, where you'll find a ton of free resources, including workshops, my blog, how-to guides, how-to videos, past podcast episodes, and the way to join me live over Zoom for the Magic Q&A Tea Party, which takes place, as I mentioned before, every Sunday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Central, and 8 p.m. Eastern. Just go to parlorofwonders.com, Click on the Learn tab and you'll see all the goodies over there. I want to say thank you to all the Spell Squad members out there who have subscribed to and shared this podcast with their friends. You are amazing. I also want to thank the really fabulous folks who have left reviews on iTunes and Stitcher and so thankful for your reviews because they really help get the word out about the podcast and help other people find it as well. And I really appreciate you taking the time to do them. I want to say thank you to Jill Navarre for production and engineering. I want to say thank you to Manfred Hofer for announcing. And I want to say thank you to you for joining me. Whether you are here with me live or you are listening on the podcast, I want to say thank you. And I'm looking forward to next episode when we'll be answering the question, what are the different kinds of spell candles. So until next time, this is Madame Pamita saying, keep making your life the most magical adventure ever. Oh,